When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels. We are together again, only this time back in the Twin Cities. Sage, um, have you recovered yet from your week in Indianapolis? I believe I have. It took me a couple of days, though. Uh, a lack of sleep on those nights. It's amazing how quickly midnight comes when you're in Indianapolis, and then for some reason you stay up usually a couple hours more. And the last night I was up the latest of all the nights. Uh, somehow found myself hanging out with Mike Silver from NFL.com and NFL Network, uh, Brian Schottenheimer, the quarterback coach who drafted me, who's the – Offensive coordinator for Seattle, um, Rhett Lewis, who works for NFL Network, and the owner of the uh, Buffalo Bills. So it was, it was quite the interesting group there. And uh, of course, the Bills owner paid for everything, so that was really nice. <laughs> well, um, I would have passed you along because he also owns the Buffalo Sabers. A few hockey trades that his general manager needs to make. If I had known that you were going to be hanging out with the owner of the Sabers and Bills, he was insisting, by the way, that he wanted to draft Patrick Mahomes. He told everybody that he wanted to draft Patrick Mahomes. That he even had like a hundred and forty-three play cut up that he made everybody come in on like the Friday before the. Or the day before the draft, or when it wins on Thursday. So on Wednesday, and they're like, "Why is this 143 plays?" He goes, "Exactly, it's 143 plays because he took 60 out or something." He he, he was quite the uh, the storyteller, and uh, th- that was an interesting evening. But um, yeah, I I have recovered from the combine and and uh, got a few good nights rest, and and uh, good to be out of Indy, and good to be back where there's warmer temperatures yeah, in, uh, right. in in Minnesota right it was now. Freezing there. Um, my highlight of Indy was getting shut out of the pro football focus party because there were too many people in the building and it was violating fire code. So I couldn't get in and me and a couple of other people, I guess we showed up a little too late and they said, no, sorry, you can't go into that room because there's 75 people and the fire code says there's only 50 allowed in there. So that was my highlight was getting not into a party. There really is nothing like the combine. And, you know, I've never been, I guess, to the draft other than my, uh, well, I've never been to the draft. Uh, I've, you know, of course, been to Super Bowls and things like that. But the combine really is 
this strange thing where in about a eight block radius, pretty much everybody that has anything to do with the NFL is there for at least a couple days. And, you know, some coaches flying for two days and they leave. Then the, you know, the, the quarterback's coach comes in for a first few days. But then after he leaves, the DB coaches come in. There's this overlap and there's equipment manager, managers there. And, and pretty much anybody that works within and around the NFL, of course, now tons of media. Uh, are also their agents, uh, people selling, you know, new prototype helmets or, uh, blocking dummies or it's really anything that has to do with football and the NFL is there. And it's in a very, very small area. Uh, and, uh, so there's, there's, it's very, very unique. There's nothing like it. And I'm really glad I get to go every year. I've gotten to go the last two years. It's amazing how much information I get, uh, in particular from my quarterbacks coaches that I'm talking to, you know, at 11 o'clock at night over a beer or something. I mean, they straight up, you know, give me the information on sometimes their current quarterbacks, whether they like them or not. Uh, and a lot of times who they like in, in this draft and how their inter- interviews went and, and things like that. And, uh, and obviously I, I was lucky. I got, I got to th- I watch the quarterbacks throw and the, I guess the wide receivers run as well. Uh, but I got, got to watch the quarterbacks throw on Thursday night. So I think, um, what most people are interested in with the Vikings that I'm getting from Twitter is the status of Jalen Hurts. So I don't know if you got a chance to see him when you were in there, but I was going back and watching a couple of games of Jalen Hurts, and uh, I've seen people doing draft sims, which I have a draft sim for us to go over. I have done one myself and wrote about it at scorenorth.com, and I just opened up the... Uh, web statistics that we get every day and people love the draft sim so i will continue to be simulating the draft and people can get upset with me playing general manager for the vikings and the draft sim is not where we 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 don't pick the players right the computer sort of does itself based off of the needs of the players and in the combination with what players are out there and how they uh, are projected and things like that. So the way it works is it simulates every other pick other than the Vikings. So I use this website called fanspeak.com. You go there and you just pick a draft board from, you know, Bleacher Report or whatever, the, the Athletic, whatever website on their draft board. It matches up with team needs and then simulates players to teams. And then I get on the board. So I'm at 25 and I'm looking at who's been taken, who's still available, and then I make the pick. So I get to play Rick Spielman on the draft sims. And I believe two years ago, I picked Brian O'Neill in a draft sim, one of you know, whatever, seven or eight that I did. And my final one, I believe last year, I took Garrett Bradbury. So we've been able to kind of pin it down. Courtney likes to do, Courtney Cronin likes to do them as well. So we'll have one, you and I can go over how it went um, a little later in the show. But let, let's talk about the you being inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. They don't let the whole media come in there, only VIP. And Jalen Hurts was the one you and I talked about. After we discussed it, I got quite a few tweets from people saying, look, if he's hanging around in the third round, then this would make perfect sense for the Vikings, even if they do plan on an extension because you get your backup quarterback there. And at very least, least after I watched him, I thought, you know, he doesn't have the, the mind-blowing skills with the arm talent. He's not deadly accurate and doesn't fire bullets like Justin Herbert. But if you're talking about a guy whose floor is probably a good backup, I, I like Jalen Hurts from that perspective, from draft him anyway. And then if he surprises you, maybe you turn it over to him in a couple of years. Well, he does have a different skill set. And let, let's just start off by saying I watched all the quarterbacks throw. There's, there's two groups. 
and nobody really blew you away, and nobody really does at the combine. I mean, you, you really don't get that many throws. Uh, I'm not sure what the exact number is, but maybe it's like you know 20 throws or something like that. Um, and you know, when they do their private workouts, they get you know 60 or 70 throws. Guys usually do in their private workouts, so I think those are much more valuable. Uh, but obviously, Hertz is a very good athlete, and, and obviously playing at two major college football. Uh, organizations uh, with with Alabama and Oklahoma. He's been coached at sort of a very, very high level. Uh, you know, the NFL uh, sort of world won't be a, a huge jump from him, for him, you know, mentally. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not super – I've never been super impressed by him. It's, you know, I wasn't super impressed by Alabama at him. They, I think they sort – I always felt they sort of won because it's Alabama. They have this great team. They never have great quarterbacks, it seems like. That play at Alabama, and then Oklahoma. I watched a few games this year, and and he's a great runner. I mean, that's he is a very very good runner, and uh, but he's an okay thrower. I just don't see him. I, I and I look at NFL quarterbacks and the guys that do run around. Uh, you got to be a good thrower first. I mean, I, that's why I like Russell Wilson and Pat Mahomes is the best two quarterbacks in the NFL. They can run around and make things happen, but they are great throwers first. And I don't see Jalen Hurts as a great thrower, but he is very you know, sort of physically gifted in, in a lot of different ways. And and I do want I do wonder if the Vikings are looking at some quarterback, not necessarily in that sixth and seventh round or an undrafted free agent, but truly a guy to in those more most mid rounds, that third fourth round uh, that they could possibly you know. Could someday be a starter, somebody that you know they draft with physical talents. So basically, somebody with 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 potential that could end up possibly being a starter in the future. So, did you like what you saw from anyone? Because Tua was not throwing, and there's a little news nugget to talk about with him in a minute. Uh, and Joe Burrow wasn't throwing, as none of us would. And I don't even understand why Jeff Akuda decided to go through everything the uh, top cornerback because he's going top five. It was almost like he just wanted to show off his athleticism. Um, but Burrow didn't throw, and Tua didn't throw, which means that you got to see all the guys that we'd be talking about in the scenario you just presented. If they get to the third round and they're looking around for a quarterback to be an immediate backup, which I asked Mike Zimmer uh, the other day if he would be okay with a rookie being his backup, and he said yes if we believe the guy can win games. That the backup position, he doesn't see it as some sort of additional coach. Of course they want that backup to help the scout team, and they want the the backup to help on the sidelines with Cousins and everything else, but they have quarterback coaches and assistant quarterback coaches and everything else for Kirk Cousins. They don't need another one. They want someone who could win. And that's the thing that intrigues me, I guess, about Hurts the most is he looks like a guy that could, because of his running ability, find a way to win. And there were times where especially the game against Baylor that I brought up the other day, they were down and you just you needed him to find a way to win. And he often did that. When you look at his record, I know he's playing for great teams, but he just seemed to win a lot, even if it didn't always look pretty, if he fumbled or if he threw an interception or whatever. He got over it and he kept going. And I like that about him. But did, did you see anyone who's projected not to be in the top that you thought, you know, hey, look, this guy is making some noise here? Well, again, it's hard to tell when you just get so many throws and they're throwing to guys who aren't their wide receivers or, or or whatever so you know nobody really just jumped out at me that was one of those not one of those top guys if anything i was you know trying to study those top guys the most uh you know, you know uh, justin herbert just seemed very stiff to me i mean he's a really big guy he's over six foot six i mean he's just a sort of freak looking athlete six six foot six uh, uh, 236 pounds. He ran a four six eight forty. I mean, this guy is a great athlete, but he 
just doesn't seem like a quarterback to me. And he's got a strong arm. Uh, and sort of, he probably one of those guys that like he's a he's perfect for the combine. He is like the guy that looks great in shorts and t-shirts and has all the measurables. But I've watched him on film. I just sort of don't see the little things that are done that sort of make his team better. People really like this kid Jordan Love because he's athletic. He's got a really big arm. He's out of Utah State. Uh, a lot of people like having him in the first round. Um, you know, Jake Fromm is a guy who's smaller. Uh, and he doesn't really have a big arm, but he's, you know, had a, had a really good college career at Georgia. He might be one of those guys that'd be later in the draft. But again, he's, he doesn't have that big upside because he's just sort of a, um, you know, I guess a game manager almost. I, I was speaking to quarterback people at the combine. It's interesting how many, how few quarterbacks come from the SEC conference. Yeah. Right. You think about that. That, I mean, far and away the best conference as far as guys drafted into the NFL. I think the SEC has a lot more than the Big Ten or the Big 12 or the Pac 12 or the ACC. But quarterbacks, they don't have drafted. And a lot of the reasons is because the defensive lines, that's the D linemen drafted the SEC. They have way more than any other conference. And when the D lines are really, really good, well, the quarterbacks just don't have a lot of time in the pocket. And so they try to, that's where great running backs come from is the SEC conference, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And, and, oh, yeah. and, and things like that. But so not great quarterbacks. And that's always a concern about that conference, uh, is that just very few quarterbacks come out of there, you know, being great NFL players. Of course, Joe Burrow will probably be the first pick in this draft. It looks like more and more, by the way, he's backing off and he's sort of like hold out th- or not. I shouldn't say hold out, but not wanting to go to Cincinnati. Seems like that's just going to happen, but no one really stuck out at me a lot. Of course, I, I had two guys that I had sort of vested interest in and, and Brian Lewerke and Lewerke did not throw great in the first. There's sort of two different throwing sessions. They, mm-hmm. they do one with just a quarterback coach and you throw to like equipment managers who are just standing there and they put you through a various drills. And then you actually throw to the wide receivers. He did not throw as well in the first one, uh, but I thought he, th- Lewerke threw pretty well. This is a Michigan State quarterback. Uh, I thought he threw pretty well to the wide receivers. And then my guy, Anthony Gordon, I thought he threw extremely well. Uh, he just doesn't have those big measurables. He's just a smaller guy. Uh, you know, he's 6'2". He, he did weigh 205. I told him to drink like a half a <laughs> game. He, he weighed 195 when I was training with him uh, a month and a half ago, and he weighed 205. I, he definitely has gained some weight, but I told him to drink a half a gallon of water before the <laughs> before the weigh-in to, to add four more pounds to him. So I was pretty happy about that, and, and I thought he threw well, but... Um, yeah, I guess we'll just have to see. We'll have to see what these guys do in the private workouts. Of course, I'm sure Clint Kubiak will be uh, traveling around in the next, uh, you know, two months uh, to work out the guys they liked in the in uh, in these private workouts. You know, Stephen Montez is a guy out of Colorado. I always like those guys that come to programs maybe that aren't very good. Uh, and, and then, you know, raise the level to like sure. a bowl, bowl type of team. And Montez, yeah. I think, sort of did that and also had mm-hmm. sort of NFL style coaching in the sense of his head coach had been an NFL guy. I, I, can't, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. He just left to go to Michigan State. Um, but, um, are they, but, you know, he has sort of an NFL program, I guess. And I like the fact that that team, Colorado, hadn't been very good and, and they've been good the last, decent the last couple years. And so he's a guy I kept an eye on. Not a big fan of Nate Stanley, the Iowa quarterback. He just, 
just sort of a big guy. He does have a big arm, but doesn't have a lot of other things that, from what I saw on, on film. Shea Patterson's a quarterback out of Michigan that was like a five-star recruit that <laughs> yeah. not a big fan of at all. Mm-hmm. It, it blows my mind that Michigan gets these five-star quarterbacks and they end up all stinking. It just, you, you think those guys would be all you know, sort of set for the NFL. So um, we'll see how it goes. It seems like the, I, 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 I was talking to somebody, the over-under of first-round quarterbacks is four and a half. Oh. Wow. Okay. Because some people have uh, Herbert Eason. Love. So whether Eason goes in the first so round Burrow, makes the difference there. Burrow to uh, uh, a lot of people have George or Justin Herbert or Jordan Love. So yeah. Those four. They probably all those guys will. Yes. And it's then, whether one other guy sneaks in. And then Jacob Eason, uh, who is another. He's sort of like Herbert, uh, at least like frame wise. Probably not as good an athlete. Maybe a better thrower. But basically, just throws a really good deep ball. I mean, he, he I watched his underneath stuff. It wasn't very good, and he wasn't very he wasn't great in the pocket. But another guy, a big guy with a big arm, sort of has those. It, it's funny when they would throw go routes uh, at the combine. He would say set hut, and he would sit there for like a half second, and his receiver would be about four yards, and then he'd take the drop. Just so he could really heave it like <laughs> fifty five yards or whatever. Uh, meanwhile, my guy Anthony Gord would like snap it right away. He doesn't have the big arm, so he'd get it out there, and they're catching go routes about thirty eight, forty yards. And and so um, you know, there's some talented guys, but I there's in those middle rounds, I'm gonna have to keep doing some more research on on some of those middle round guys because I really just sort of watched a lot of film on those about you know top five or six guys. And I was poking through how often it works out to grab a middle round guy as your backup and then see what happens. And if you go back, it, it really varies by year. Now, this year is supposed to have some guys who, in those middle rounds, are very interesting, and including your guy Anthony Gordon and, and someone like Jalen Hurts. And if you go back to like 2011, two second-round quarterbacks become semi-franchise quarterbacks in Andy Dalton and Colin Kaepernick. But then, and this just shows you what a crapshoot it could be, Ryan Mallett, Ricky Stanzi, TJ Yates, who you might know. Do you yeah. know TJ? Oh, yeah, okay. Yep. Uh, and then someone named Nathan Enderly, who I've never heard of. And then Tyrod Taylor gets taken in the sixth round and becomes a good NFL quarterback. It was like a 500 quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. And in 2012, the top quarterbacks, you know, Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin, those guys were the, the, you know, talk of that draft and everything else. Ryan Tannehill. But then you go down the list, you get Osweiler and Brandon Whedon taken before Russell Wilson, Nick Foles, and Kirk Cousins. And those guys, I mean, Nick Foles isn't a franchise quarterback, but he won a Super Bowl. So it really tells you just how difficult this can be and I think if you value the right things you've got a better shot at it but really you're just guessing and I mean it it almost seems like guys drafting the second round have it's about 50 50 and the guys that draft in the first round it's about 50 50 to me it it sort of seems like it's it's a crapshoot either way yeah the ceiling on guys you take in the second round is probably lower but maybe you have a better chance at them becoming something like an Andy Dalton Andy Dalton was never going to become John Elway but he became Andy Dalton someone who could win you 10 games if you have a good team Um, the 2014 draft is interesting because the top two guys Blake Bortles goes number one. He's your Justin Herbert. Or number, your, th- number one quarterback. Number one number quarterback. Three yeah. overall. Three I overall, believe. right. Yeah. So he's the he's the big giant guy with a big arm and a great athlete and everything else. And then Johnny Manziel is taken 22nd by the Browns. After that, the next three quarterbacks, Bridgewater, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, all turn out to be really good quarterbacks. I mean, if you take a quarterback and he turns into Derek Carr, 
That's a guy who won, what, 12 games one year? Very similar to an Andy Dalton. Did well enough to sign up five for 125. Right. Then you've hit on that draft pick. But then there are other times the following season, 2015, Garrett Grayson, Sean Mannion, Bryce Petty, Brett Hundley, Trevor Simeon. I mean, these guys are just straight-up backups, and they have no chance. And there was a ton of quarterbacks taken in 2016, Jacoby Brissett, who's, you know, a backup in my mind, Cody Kessler, Connor Cook, and then you have Dak Prescott, a franchise quarterback, mixed in between with Cardell Jones, Kevin uh, Hogan, Nate Sudfeld. Like, it it is super hard to figure out which one of these guys will become something, but there's maybe like a 1 in 10 chance that you're the one that gets him if you take him in the third or fourth round. Yeah, I mean, is there a Russell Wilson in this group, right? Uh, or, Or somebody that's a third or fourth round pick that somehow ends up being a really good or great player and that's 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 the good question and i guess we'll just have to see you know quarterbacks are always interesting in the draft they're probably the riskiest draft picks compared to you know drafting like a, a left tackle or an offensive lineman yeah i think it's they're just, they're just a very very hard thing to judge and to critique and try to figure out how there is there's just a large jump from college football to the pros it's just it's just a fact and you know, people talk about pro football for quarterbacks, you know, the game's so much faster. And it is. I mean, guys are faster, right? I mean, you're, you're talking about the elite athletes of college football. But in my opinion, it's not really that. It's more the fact that players are so much smarter because that's all you do. It's mm-hmm. all football. Yep. All the time. And you watch, if you listen to, uh, if you would ask any NFL player, you know, uh, do you wish you knew what you knew now after like two years in the NFL? Do you wish you would have known that in college? And every one of them been like, man, I would have been such a better player. Mm-hmm. You know, in college football, and I, again, I was talking to, I was talking to Brian Schottenheimer about this, uh, about when he was, because he was offensive coordinator at Georgia for a year or a couple years, uh, uh, not too long ago. And, you know, they get, you know, between three to maybe five hours a week max. Uh, the entire week they're getting five hours, you know, with their quarterbacks and, and some sort of meetings. And, and you just have a lot less time. The kids have class. They have a study table. They have all these different, you know, different deals. They're also just like 18, 19, 20-year-olds. So they're also like their weight programs during the season are probably a little bit more heavy-duty compared to the NFL program we were talking about grown men uh you know these guys are still trying to develop even during the season a lot of times so you just have so much less time talking dissecting and understanding the 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 sport of football and then you go to the nfl and it's all ball all the time you got off season you got you you know lots of money on the line guys grinding film all the time tons a wealth of knowledge by the coaches you got guys who play for 10 12 15 years all that knowledge is there and you just don't have that in college football there it's just two different sports in a sense it's just um and so that jump for these quarterbacks and and sometimes for other positions as well but in particular quarterbacks is that's why i think it's just so hard to to judge if somebody is going to be good or not because you don't know if they can process all that information and that is one of these new things too is these these you know quarterbacks coaches or, or coordinators or or these teams are they're trying to give these guys some tests to see how their minds actually process information and that is sort of a new thing uh, uh in the nfl as well because there is so much more uh you know sort of subtle information that you know it can, can guys pick things up and then can guys bring it onto the field so um we'll see what the vikings do with that position they have a history and, and rick spillman has a history 
just like a lot of NFL teams do. I know the Eagles are definitely one of those teams, but they're trying to draft a quarterback uh, somewhere every single year just because it's such a valuable position. So going back to the history, and that, and that's a, a, a good point about how some teams will draft a guy in the sixth or seventh because they say, well, let's see if we could get our Tom Brady. You never know. It is true that you never know, but... It also, when was the last time we had a sixth or seventh round guy end up being an NFL starter? It's, it's really Tyrod Taylor and Tom Brady, and that's it. Like, end. Those are the only guys that are past the fifth or sixth round that become anything. Dak Prescott is in the very fringe, the fourth round, where it's hard to find anybody but Dak Prescott in the fourth round. So you're, round. Thinking, you're thinking maybe third rounder. If second or third. Yeah. yeah. I think the second or third. Second is probably your best shot. Third, you get into a little bit more of long shots. But second probably means that a bunch of teams decided, and the guy doesn't have quite the ceiling. It would be like a Jalen Hurts type of situation. But, Sage, I have simulated the draft, and I made my picks, and well, I... Can I add the first two rounds? Can I add something really quick though? Yeah. By the way, well, so we were talking about when we left Indy, we were talking offensive line, maybe left tackle. Is that maybe a first or second round pick? Mm-hmm. We're talking safety because that's a that's a you can get somebody good that's later in the round, and obviously corner. Those are sure maybe positions of need uh, for the Vikings, at least like high end need, uh, uh, you know, starter need type of type of scenarios. Antoine Winfield Jr. Had a great combine. He did right? sub four five forty. Sub four five forty at the and he's more of a safety, correct? Yep, but he uh, could play nickel if you need him to. Yeah, so I mean that's great for him, and obviously he has uh, you know big time Minnesota roots, and and uh, and his dad playing for the Vikings, and him him being a local kid, that'd be a cool. I, I can sort of see that happening. Yep, I can see the Vikings being one of those franchises that would do that. You know, would draft a guy local. Of course, they've probably known the kid for most of his life, yep. uh, and, and so that would be a, a neat story. Um, you know, the, some of the testing, by the way, that was an Iowa offensive lineman just put up some. Wordle, I think, was his uh, last name. Tristan Werfs. He Werfs. He had a higher jump than DeAndre Hopkins did. Yeah, when he, he was at the just combine. put up some. He ran. He's he's like three hundred and thirty pounds or something. He ran like a four eight forty and had like yeah. a thirty six inch vertical leap. I mean, just crazy. Crazy numbers, uh, you know, on some of these guys. There was an offensive lineman that weighed 368 and ran a 5-140. Mackay Becton, who yeah. is projected to be a top three tackle yeah. taken. And, and one of the best things I always love about the combine every year, it just reaffirms to me that Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney are just amazing coaches because they always seem to have a wide receiver that runs a 4-2-9-40 at the combine <laughs> and just goes to show how great turbo of a... Turbo snark. That's the turbo yeah, snark. Yeah, just just, I mean, the X's and O's at Alabama for Nick Saban. Congrats on him to have uh, uh, that wide receiver that ran. Uh, is it Ruggs? I think his yeah, name Henry was. Ruggs. Yeah, man. And then I saw some highlights of him playing high school basketball over Twitter this uh, last couple of days, slamming it all over the place. I mean, just a phenomenal athlete. Uh, uh, Clemson has a a safety sort of slash linebacker. He weighed. He's six four, two thirty eight, and ran a four three nine forty. I mean, great coaching by Davos <laughs> Sweeney there as well to get an athlete like that. It sounds like he'll be. You know, there's there's some some phenom athletes, and and uh, and, w- and again, another one of those things that every single coach kept saying, and you see at these press conferences with coaches and GMs and and Zimmer and, and Spielman both said it. Like eighty percent of it, ninety percent of it is about the tape. 
Yep. Like, how do they really look mm-hmm. on film? And I don't care if you're fast, if you can't, if you're not sort of fast on the field or you don't know how to use your speed or you can't catch, I don't really care how fast you are. So, uh, you know, the combine is sort of a funny thing. We, it's really more of a media thing. We like to hype it up. Uh, it's, it really is all about that tape. And, and that's what these coaches are, are doing right now as they prepare for, you know, which guys they should go and see, uh, as they do these pre-draft visits. Yeah. My understanding is that it answers questions. So with Antoine Winfield Jr., that's a great example. Example, is he really the athlete that could play in the NFL every down? And when you run a sub four five, the answer is yes. He is quick enough. He is fast enough to move up and play a nickel if you need him to, or be a deep safety and use his instincts. And he does have a chance at being picked in the first round. But when I simulated the draft, well, I'll tell you about it when we come back. Tease, radio tease. <laughs> That's how you do it. Yep. All right. So simulate the draft. There's some mild news on Kirk Cousins and an extension from Dan Graziano of ESPN. And an idea that I floated to you on Thursday is now out there. So either Ron Rivera listened to Purple Daily or this is happening. We'll talk about it all when we return. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels here on Score North. Hey, Score North listeners. It's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need When you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears, maybe not your blood, but whatever, like you built a company and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover, if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Score North Download Time. Jonathan here with this hour's download. Score North has a brand new golf show, 10,000 Swings, with Brad Cole and David Branstead. Two golf geeks breaking down the latest in golf culture around Minnesota and the latest stories from the PGA Tour. Find 10,000 Swings at 7 p.m. on Mondays on Score North on AM 1500 or on demand on Apple, Spotify, or the Score North mobile app. If you missed it just about half an hour ago, Wolves president of basketball operations, Gerson Rosas, joined Doogie on Score North Live and gave a injury update for Carl Anthony Towns saying uh, you know he's doing everything possible you know most guys under this situation would just say hey let me get surgery and be done for the season but you know Carl is doing everything possible to make sure that uh, he's able to play here sooner rather than later uh, we're supporting him in that endeavor um, there's multiple evaluations that have to take place uh, before the end of this week where we'll have an update but uh, things are positive, but you know, as, as things go, it's, it's a day to day situation where you have to be evaluated and he's doing everything possible. He's been all over the country getting different, different opinions and different evaluations to make sure we're doing the right thing by him and everything so far has been positive. So we're moving forward in that regard until there's an update. That's been your score North Donald. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, along with our journeyman correspondent and former NFL quarterback, in that proper order, Sage Rosenfels. Um, Sage, let's get right into my draft sim. You've been waiting for it. You've been dying. You were calling and texting me at all hours. When is your draft sim going to be done? Super excited. Yeah, I know. And so it is done, and it is posted at scorenorth.com. And I got to the 25th pick for the Vikings, and I'm going to set this, set the scene for you here. So a lot of good players off the board, as you might expect, but also a lot of guys that could be interesting for the Vikings, including um, one of the top edge rushers, A.J. Epinenza. 
Um, there was also some decent corners, Damon Arnett, Bryce Hall, two guys that are good corners, Jeff Gladney, who ran extremely, extremely fast, and also Jordan Love was still on the board, which, you know, that's sort of interesting. If Jordan Love ends up on the board at 25 and they don't have an extension done for Kirk, we'll get to that. And C.D. Lamb was still on the board at 25. Wide he receiver. is a great wide receiver. In watching Jalen Hurts, my big takeaway was, wow, is he good. But he did not run as fast as people thought he would run, by the way. I think he was yeah. high four fours or even low four fives, and people thought he might be one of those guys, you know, closing in on four threes. Right. So, um, you know, he might drop a little bit because of that. I mean, you know, he shouldn't, though. He he's shouldn't. A, he's he was a player. A, he was a big time playmaker at Oklahoma, that's for sure. But yeah, but more recently, people have, uh, have old Tua moving up. A little bit uh, to possibly that second pick in the draft, by the way, with, with Washington. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, what, what, tell me about your draft sim yes, yes. and where the Vikings are. So those were some of the guys that I could have picked. Some guys that came off the board that I would have been interested in were C.J. Henderson, a cornerback from Florida. Um, Calevon Chason, who is a defensive end and probably the best defensive end prospect in the draft, like a real high ceiling guy. Uh, Trayvon Diggs was already gone as well. So that's another guy who's been mocked off into the Vikings. And right before my pick, the New Orleans Saints took Grant Delpit, who is the top safety prospect. He also didn't work out at the Combine. So I went with offensive tackle from Houston, Josh Jones. What do you think of taking in the first round offensive tackle Josh Jones? Now, you don't need a scouting report on Josh Jones, but tackle, I think, has to be at the top of their priority list. Yeah, I, I think offensive tackle and, and maybe even defensive tackle. I mean, if they find the right guy who is a little bit more of a pass rusher, I think I think Zim tried to douse uh, you know some of that fire we, we, that was brought up at the combine, and he sounded sound like he was pretty happy with the interior guys. But, you know, the, the I'm all about making the lines better. You know, you can have as many good receivers and, and, and cornerbacks and quarterbacks or whatever it might be, but the lines sort of make everything go. So I'm all about bolstering both the offensive and defensive lines. So, you know, obviously that's not going to be a position I'd probably spend almost any time on is looking at uh, offensive tackles or defensive tackles. I don't have that much time in my life, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, if they have him as a highly ranked guy, I'd love to have, you know, a, I mean, AJ Espinosa, the, the defensive end from Iowa, uh, I've watched him for years harass my Cyclones, and he is one heck of a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like he'll go probably higher than that, uh, probably more mid to high first round. But um, you know, I, I think shoring up the the the, the tackle. We, we talk about you know left tackle um, um, and in uh, corner and safety, and maybe interior defense line, or maybe even you know, it, depending on the whole Everson Griffin situation, maybe a pass rush defensive end, uh, you know, as well. But yeah, I think left tackle. Any way you can help out Kirk Cousins in this draft i think that'd be a positive that's right just because mike zimmer said that everson griffin they want him back and griffin wants to come back that doesn't mean he's coming back and i i was looking at uh yannick Ngakwe, i think is how it's pronounced uh the guy from the jaguars they're going to franchise tag him the franchise tag is up to 19 million dollars so edge rushers are getting crazy money right now they're getting almost quarterback money if someone is desperate and wants to pay everson griffin twice what the vikings can afford on a short-term deal he might leave and if he does then you are taking a look at some 
someone like uh, Epinenza at, at I, I think he could be there around 25 because this is a draft that's so filled with other positions of strength, offensive line definitely being one of them, but also wide receiver, that those defensive ends might get kind of caught in the wash a little bit and drop down, and the Vikings could be in an interesting position there to take the next Daniil Hunter or Everson Griffin and, and get maybe the first or second best defensive end prospect in this draft. Like in this simulation, and again, it's just a draft sim, but Gross Matos from uh, Penn State and Chason go in the 20s, and so does Epinenza. So, you know, if that happens based on the needs of other teams and the strengths of the draft, and you can draft one of the three or four best defensive ends, you might consider doing it. I went with the tackle because I think thinking out a year, thinking 2021 with the draft, is probably the smartest approach. So you continue to have Riley Reef on your team. Your plan is to turn it over to Josh Jones in 2021, or potentially if he looks really good, you move Reef inside. But that that's kind of what my thinking was in the first round. I also did through the second round, and unfortunately Antoine Winfield was picked 50th. So he goes to the Chicago Bears, which would really thrill Vikings fans if uh, <laughs> Antoine Winfield was intercepting Kirk Cousins. So I couldn't take him. That was the guy I was hoping for. I went with Ross Blacklock, who had a great combine, ran really fast at 290 pounds. He's a high-potential type of guy, three-technique defensive tackle. It's something I think they've been missing really since Sharif Floyd got hurt, and then they bring in Sheldon Richardson. He was mostly great, but they couldn't keep him for more than a year. And last year, they got very little pressure from that position. I think it's an important spot in Zimmer's defense, and he was kind of the best guy on the board there if you're not going for an offensive weapon Michael Pittman Jr. was uh, also on the board at that time but I thought if you go trenches here th- those are the spots that they need to continue to improve I think you can never go wrong with going in the trenches and it's interesting you know the end of the first round uh, you know it's it's hard to find great players per se because oh you know the, the Vikings are they're never terrible they're never a two win team or a three win team and sometimes that hurts them but you know it really hasn't helped the Cleveland Browns or the Bengals or the Lions or these teams that are in the Dolphins who are like always in the top five picks in the draft so I think I'm okay with those late first round picks I mean Harrison Smith was at the end of the first mm-hmm. round Teddy Bridgewater at the end of the first round uh, the Vikings have found a lot of good players at the end of that round the Patriots for years and years and years have always had late first round picks and a lot of times they have even moved out of the first round and dropped down to the second round just to acquire more third fourth i think would actually be a good idea for the vikings yeah fifth round draft picks and and you know when you're especially when you're when you're at the end of the first round you have some guys you you really like and then you have to sort of see how the whole thing unfolds. And, you know, sometimes there's a run on, you know, defensive linemen or there's yep. a run on uh, tackles or wide receivers and people, you know, people that need a wide receiver, but three of them were picked in the top 10 picks. Oh, you know, we've got the 15th pick. We go better get a wide receiver now because we absolutely need one. And, and there's always some surprises in there. Uh, so yeah, I think the Vikings just have to sort of be patient and wait and see, they'll have their guys marked and wait and see how things sort of unfold in that first round. And, and, you know, moving out of that first round, I think it's fine if they can get some good draft picks for it. The advantage of being at the end of the first round or teams that even have like a high second round pick that move into the first round is that you get that fifth year on that contract. Yep. And that yep. really, really, you know, that's that's very, very viable to have an extra year 
on the contract of a guy from the 31st pick to the 33rd pick, that one extra year can make a big difference. Well, we'll see how that ends up even playing out with the next CBA. That could be a thing that ends up getting changed of how that all works. Um, but yeah, it, it is a factor. So I think if they came away with a potential starting left tackle and a three-technique defensive tackle who could be a difference maker in the pass rush, that's a good start. But it's not my only draft simulation. I'll be doing it a bunch of times before we actually get to the draft. So if you want to do it yourself, fanspeak.com is very easy to use. You just click on the Vikings logo, and then it gives you a few options, and then you draft as much as your heart desires. And I love when people tweet them at me, so I will grade your draft. If you do a draft, screen grab it, send it to at Matthew Collar, and I will grade your Vikings draft if you want. Fanspeak.com is the website. People really do like Trevon Diggs, uh, Stefan's brother, and and everyone sort of has him going somewhere probably late in the first round as well, so there's a definite possibility that he could end up on the Vikings. It's sort of interesting. Antoine Winfield Jr. and Trevon Diggs, uh, you know, both could, or either could end up you know, on the Minnesota Vikings. By the way, you brought the CBA. I ran to Demory Smith, uh, the the head <laughs> of the players' you not union, run into at the, at the draft too. And uh, you know, it, it's or at the combine. It's it's interesting what he you know to him describing. We're sort of talking about the CBA and. And you always sort of wonder, like, what's his role in the whole thing? And all he can really do is, like, give recommendations, and then it's really up to the players. He doesn't really control the whole thing. It's mm-hmm. it's sort of not that way. And, and uh, we're talking about the, the Week 17, $250,000, which – 90% of the league, I think, is really happy with that number, 250000 It's like the super rich guys that aren't happy with it because I guess they're taking a pay cut. Pretty much anyone under about $4.5 million, uh, it, it's, a, it's a heck of a week for $250,000, but those guys making basically $5 million plus, it's a little bit of a pay cut for them. Yeah, which I, sound- I don't really understand that. I, I don't understand why they wouldn't just prorate it. Well, yeah, you would think, but the money has to come from somewhere. So there's mm-hmm. only so much money in the whole thing, right? I see. And, 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 but it sounds like they actually might take some money out of the what they call the player performance bonus, mm-hmm. uh, which is this thing at the end of the season. The guys who are, say, let's say you're a rookie and you're a fifth-round draft pick, and you start at left guard for all 16 games. I mean – you you are very very cheap right uh, in that instance for how much you played and you know making six hundred thousand dollars playing sixteen games that's not a lot of coin to be right. honest with you right um, so it's it, it's basically this weird equation where the guys who make the least but play the most to get mm-hmm. the most money out of this they call it player performance bonus it doesn't matter how you played or how well you played or whether it's special teams or regular or, or re- offense and defense it's just number of snaps mm-hmm. in general. So it's a way for those like a lot of times rookies or first you know first couple year guys who who don't make that much to play a lot. I think they might take some money actually out of that thing, mm. which doesn't make any sense because now we're taking basically right. money from the poorest guys to give them to the, I should say poor quote unquote poor uh, to the richest guys in, in the league. But um, you know the, 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 again another one of those it was almost like that was planned by the owners to divide the players in general. Like oh, let's get the the richest guys in the league not happy with the not, the, the rest of the guys on the team because those guys have the most power and. It's pretty interesting to hear the politics of how this whole CBA might play out. Yeah, it is a crazy difference from something like the NBA, where the fifth or sixth guy on the bench is still making millions and doing pretty well for himself. And in the NFL, a lot of the guys, especially on rookie contracts, undrafted guys and things like that, are making not a lot at all, 500-something K, where you have the quarterbacks who are making $30 million, and, and even the highest-paid superstars, your Julio Jones or your Vaughn Miller, they're making $20 million a year. So there's a have and have not 
here, and, and there's way more have-nots than haves, but the haves have more power when it comes to negotiating with the NFL, so they want to do right by themselves, basically. <laughs> yeah. And so it is divided with the players, and that makes it easier for the owners to negotiate with them and harder for the players to actually come to an agreement because you see a lot of guys putting things out on Twitter of, I agree with voting for it, I don't want to vote for it, and things like that. I think, though, that they're making enough pros- uh, progress um, where something will get done fairly soon, and that's all that fans care about. So so another uh, piece of information from hanging out with Terry, how, how do you say his name? Pagula. Pagula. The owner of the Bills. The owner yeah. of the Bills. Um, we were discussing it a little bit, and he basically said the NFL CBA is a piece of cake compared to the NHL CBA. Oh, sure. The yeah. NHL, whatever, that, whatever the, the agreement they have there. Doug Fear, is that his name? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Guy Donald like, Fear. Run, Donald Fear. Sounds like he is not very well-liked by Terry, uh, but it sounds like he makes things really, really challenging uh, for the owners to get to, to agree with the players. He, he really felt that the that the NFL CBA, it seems harder than it actually is. It's, mm. It doesn't seem to be that hard uh, or that challenging for the owners to strike some sort of deal with the players. Yep. And, and I think that will happen. Everyone wants it to happen, yep. but also the players know that um, – it's there's leverage there being that if the owners can get a deal done, they can go to the networks and there'll yes. be a whole bunch more money. Hey, we got 10 years a piece. You know, Tony Romo just got $17 million. <laughs> By the way, that, his deal is super interesting. It's a three-year deal. It's $17 million. But if there's an extension onto the CBA, mm-hmm. it'll turn into a 10-year deal, basically, if – I think if CBS uh, you know re- regets those rights or whatever it might be, so um, his contract actually is directly related to the collective bargain agreement. Right. So there's all sorts of reason on both sides for them to get something done as fast. Yeah, don't as Don't kill the golden goose. Exactly. And you don't want a strike or whatever it might be. You don't want um, to have that much uh, of a hit potentially on your PR or to have people turn away from it because when baseball did the strike it it did take a toll on the sport for a long time and it took Maguire and Sosa's home run thing in order for it to start to come back so it was years worth of losses for major league baseball after the strike and everybody knows that if you have and even the, you know the lockouts that have happened in hockey or in basketball Maybe not as much of a hit because it was early in the season, and then when the season's getting hot, it was fine. They came back midway, and it was all right. But if you lost eight games or something and you had replacement players again, I think that that would be really bad for the league. Everybody knows it. Everyone knows how much money they stand to lose here if they mess around. So it just seems like they're moving toward the right direction. Now let me give you a piece of news that I discovered in Dan Graziano's piece uh, today at ESPN, the middle of ESPN's website. He wrote this about Kirk Cousins. We will be surprised if the Vikings quarterback does not get extended at some point this season uh, as the team needs cap room and reworking Cousins' $31 million cap hit creates it. But we're also told that the Vikings are in no major rush at this point and could wait until after the draft, which is what Rick Spielman said when we talked to him, to seriously work on this if necessary. Yeah, it so, seems like there's a three-step plan here. There's the, there is free agency. Which is March 18th, I believe, somewhere around middle You're of correct. March. Yep, March 18th. All right, so there's free agency first, and then there's the draft second, and then there's re-signing guys who are already on your roster as third, which is more late May and into June. Seems like that's sort of the yep. schedule for yep. 
you know, most of the league right now. It's sort of like first things first. We got to deal with the, the free agents who are coming up and, and they did extend it, which is nice. I mean, it used to be the combine, the combine, the, 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 the date has pretty much stayed the same. It's sort of a late February thing. And then it used to be uh, free agency start on March 1st. I mean, yeah. there was a week. So yeah. uh, you did see in those hotel lobbies, I mean, agents all over the place and GMs all over the place and, you know, two people just sitting in a booth having a conversation. And of course, they're discussing, you know, some players' contract or multiple players' contracts or whatever. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's just right out in the open, uh, in Indianapolis when you see obviously players negotiating, uh, with, uh, you know, with the GMs, even though they're probably not supposed to be negotiating, uh, until like midnight or this is one of those when, when deals are struck at 1202, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. on, on March 18th, uh, all that work is, was put into, put into place, you know, literally a month if not even going back to like the senior bowl probably even two months uh, ahead of that march 18th date so with dan graziano writing that and the way that mike zimmer and rick spielman talked at the combine which i think by now we have a pretty good sense i'm not saying that i know exactly 100 percent of the time when they're telling the truth or trying to mislead but we've done this dance enough to have a pretty good feel for how they talk about players when they want to keep them or when they might not example being uh, with Anthony Barr, Mike Zimmer held a press conference to shut down any potential trade conversation about Anthony Barr because he so desperately wanted to keep him. And with Anthony Harris, he said, "Well, you know, value is kind of down on safety, so whatever." Yeah, he was pretty, <laughs> right? he, he was very open about that at right. the uh, at the combine, being that you know we love Anthony Harris, but you know it's hard to pay two safeties, and uh, and you know the safeties aren't as valuable maybe. As some other positions, which makes me think maybe like an Antoine Winfield could be in that late first round spot right. for the Vikings. So the way they talked about Kirk, my sense walking away was they're going to extend Kirk Cousins. Uh, and I don't know how long it's going to be. I think a short term extension works for everyone, in part because of the potential of 17 games. Um, and Kirk probably wants another payday after that. He probably doesn't want to sign a five or six year contract extension. But what percentage would you put on it knowing that there's reports out there and what we heard from Zimmer and Spielman? Because I'm at like 90% this happens that Cousins is going to be their quarterback for several more years. It seems like that might be the case. And I, I just have a hard time with, with this. I, you know, I think Kirk just has a ceiling and I understand. Uh, and again, you know, Spielman, uh, definitely push this at the combine that, you know, another year in the same offense will be, you know, he'll play even better. Uh, Zimmer said basically the exact same thing, but I just look at Kirk. He just has this ceiling and he is a good player. He's not a great player. And to win the Super Bowl with just a good player, a good quarterback, not a great quarterback is really, really hard to do. And, and, uh, the 49ers almost did it, but their roster, is loaded with talent. Yep. Uh, they had an amazing offensive line the way they, they ran the football. And that defensive front was, I mean, uh, the Nick Bosa was incredible this year. And again, like they almost got lucky because they were bad the year, the two years before that. So they had all these high draft picks and most of those guys worked out pretty well. So I just have a hard time going, you know, can Kirk improve to the point where, yeah, now we're, the team's more relying on him. Uh, to 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 win the big games, relying on him to try to win playoff games. Um, he played. I'm I'm super happy. Obviously, he played well in that uh, in that playoff game against the Saints. That was really really big. Um, but he seems to me. 
personally uh, as a quarterback who doesn't make everybody around him better. Yep. And that's what I look for in a quarterback. You know, that's what I look for in these college guys is, yeah, he can make that, throw this, that, and the other, but did he make everybody on that team better? Sort of like why I like that kid from Colorado a little bit, just for the fact that, like, well, his team wasn't very good, and now all of a sudden, seeing the team was going to bowl games because you know maybe he made guys around him better. I don't think Justin Herbert made guys around him better, and I don't know if Kirk does that. So to extend him um, just sort of adds more years on to good quarterback play, but not great quarterback play. And I just know for this franchise to win a Super Bowl, it really it would really helps to you know somehow find the guy. And a lot of times you just keep searching. You're searching and searching and searching. You have some bad seasons or whatever, but you're searching until you find that guy who you think can really uh, uh, make everybody around him better rather than trying to find all the pieces to make Kirk Cousins better. I'd rather find the quarterback that makes the left tackle better, if that makes any sense. Uh, so I think uh, Jeannie on Twitter put this really well because I tweeted out what Dan Graziano wrote. She said, Love Kirk as a person and his play has been outstanding at times, but the return on investment is questionable. And that's a big part of it is how much are you going to pay him? If you work out an extension for this offseason, it's probably going to be fully guaranteed again. So let's talk about two-year deal, two-year extension I maybe. I think you give him a two-year extension. $30 million a year basically. It's probably more than that. It's right. probably closer to 35. If I'm his side and I was just top five or top six by pro football focus this year, set a career high in quarterback rating, I'm going into negotiations going, well, sorry guys, you got to make me one of, if not the highest paid quarterback in the NFL when I sign this deal. Right now, Russell Wilson's making 35 a year. If I'm him, that's the bar. Like, yeah, Russell Wilson is better than Kirk Cousins. But he also signed that deal a year ago, so the bar keeps going up. And if he tacked on two years, that takes him through 2022, and you can lower his cap hit for this year, spend a little more money in free agency, and kind of try to play it both ways, where you can draft for the future, sign free agents for now, and really shoot for 2021 as a year where you have another shot at it. The way I look at it with Cousins... This year was a shot at it, where you had a team that had the potential to go to the Super Bowl, and you missed your shot. I mean, you won a playoff game, that's nice, but you missed your shot. You lost some regular season games, you couldn't get home field advantage, and you missed a pretty good chance with a great roster. Now you've got to fill those spots again. You might have one more shot at it with Kirk Cousins, maybe. Maybe if it's a five-year deal, which I doubt, but if it was a five-year deal, maybe in that five years you have one more chance where the roster is as good as it was last year and the schedule is easy and your health matches up and everything else. And and that's the question. Do you want to go with a quarterback that's this expensive who you might have one shot at it with, or do you want to kind of pick what's in door number two? And I think the Vikings, in the way that they've gone about things, is keep their own players they didn't choose door number two with Anthony Barr or with Everson Griffin last year or with Xavier Rhodes. They could have, they could have picked up somebody else in free agency for half the price who would have played twice as good, but they love to stick with their own guys. And I think they're kind of doing the same thing here. I would have preferred, and it's not done yet, of course, but a soft play with it would be sign the short term extension, but draft someone to say like, yeah, okay, we're keeping you here, but. You know, we'll kind of, we'll kind of see where this goes down the road. And that might be a good approach for them. 
Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting. You know, the Vikings aren't a team that rebuilds. I don't want to use the word reload, but they don't usually have to rebuild because they're rarely a you know three, four win ball club. And it's really easy to go like, okay, we are starting over when you have a, a, a really bad football team. But when you're right there sort of on the edge, mm-hmm. you're almost in the playoffs, you're in the playoffs, but you're not great. That's just sort of a tough spot to be. Um, and, uh, and the Vikings have to figure these things out. I, I think obviously waiting to, till after the draft is an absolute no brainer because you just don't know what's going to happen. The draft, the draft is wild. Free agency this year for quarterbacks is going to be really, really interesting. Um, you know, you have no idea where these guys are going to be. You see, you hear little weird reports that like, uh, San Francisco is interested in Tom Brady. I mean, you know, the Tom Brady rumors are all over right. the place. Yeah. Much less all these other guys. Where's Philip Rivers going to end up? And, and the, you know, all these veterans. Where's Teddy Bridgewater going to end up? And and uh, then, of course, you have all these drafted players. And so I'm really, really interested to see what the Vikings do first and foremost in, in free agency coming up. And then do they draft somebody? If they draft somebody higher, like a third-round pick, that might sort of give us a, a little bit of a, a view to the future of, you know, if they really like this guy as a third rounder, I wouldn't extend Kirk Cousins. Hey, you're going to play in a one-year deal. It's mm-hmm. like the Drew Brees situation with Philip Rivers yeah. back in 2005 or, or whenever that was. Or like basically, hey, you're going to play in a one-year deal, and if you play really, really well, good luck to you in a free agency, or maybe we could always extend you right. after the year if you right. want to stay here. Otherwise, we're going to roll with this third-round draft pick that we – may really, really like. So, I mean, that could definitely uh, change things if they draft somebody in the middle rounds and then they end up really liking him as this uh, as their rookie season goes. Yeah, the only downside to that, not extending him and wait, waiting till it goes to the very end, is just that you can't create that extra cap space right away. Um, but I, other than that, I like that idea. It just doesn't seem that it's going that way. It's so. risk. It's riskier. It's yeah, sort of a you yeah. know what we could lose. It's a game of chicken. But we you know the Vikings could very well lose their quarterback a year from now mm-hmm. because you know what? Hey, I played pretty well. We won eleven games. Um, you didn't re up me last year. I'm you know I'm not I'm not. Uh, uh, obviously, you guys don't like me enough here. I'm going to go somewhere else. And yep, yep. and uh, then that's where the Vikings actually just you know start over. But I sort of look at that as you know what. Maybe that's the best thing that they should do at some point so they can go out and find a guy who ends up being great. Because Kirk is just never going to be great. It's just he's not that type of player. I said he's got his ceiling isn't just is not that high. He's he played at or near it last year, mm-hmm. and it was good enough for the Vikings to to win a playoff game, uh, but to only go ten and six in the regular season. Sage, this was fun. Not quite as fun as at the combine, but we had a good time. Um, and we'll get together again on Wednesday. Sounds good. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Judd Zolged will be in. I still got to get to the uh, smoke screen potentially with Tua from the team drafting number two and a little conversation about some things we're hearing about uh, the Mike Zimmer and contract extension side of things. We will discuss when we return. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available right now over at scorenorth.com. Play 12, 18 hole rounds at 12 beautiful courses for just one low price of $75. That's a $435 value for just $75. Supply is limited, so visit scorenorth.com keyword deals to purchase and learn more. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. Um, 
Yeah, Rick Rick loves him. Yeah, Rick loves him. <laughs> um, you know, analytics is a tool. Um, he likes to use it because it's a good buzzword for him. Um, you know, for me, tendencies about the other team and things like that, when we look at tendencies, we could say they're analytics, but um, I have a hard time someone telling me to go for it on fourth and five when you're up by two scores and they don't know the team that they're playing against. And if you do go for it and you don't get it, they don't get fired. I do. Huh. Mike Zimmer there from the NFL Combine. I'd just like to point out that you are just as likely to be fired if you make the wrong decisions that don't match up with the numbers as well. And uh, I tried to find this situation that Zimmer was talking about, and I did. And he had some details a little bit off, um, just the score and things like that. So Zimmer versus the analytics department seems to be a thing that is happening at TCO Performance Center as we got a a window into it there from his comments at the NFL Combine. Judd Zolgad in for our number two. And I wanted to talk a little about Zimmer. I know there's Dan Graziano's piece where he mentions that it's likely that Cousin signs an extension, but it wasn't really a hard report that he will be signing it sometime soon. More of just Here's what the buzz is. And Courtney and I came away from those sessions with Rick and Mike feeling exactly the same way. That at this point, it would be a surprise if they don't extend Kirk Cousins. Now, that brings us to what does it mean for Mike Zimmer and what does it mean for this offseason? Because if, if I presented this to you, Judd, let's say that you were the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. And right. I came to you and I said, look, the last eight teams or so to make the Super Bowl ranked in the top five in points. Okay, that's the NFL today. So here's what we're going to do. In the first round, we're picking the best damn left tackle. And in the second round, we're picking a wide receiver. And we're going to have Thielen and Diggs and some other guy. And they're going to catch a lot of footballs. And we're not running 50% of the time. We're throwing a lot. And that's how we're going to win, Mike. Okay, because that's how we're spending our draft picks. Now, if I said that to you, though, let's say I said that and we replaced Mike with Judd. Yeah. Judd, that's what the numbers say. That's what we're going to do in the draft. How does Judd feel about that? Does this give Judd the best chance to have uh, success and therefore be given a long-term contract? Is that what my my very capable analytics department going to tell me? That's what they would tell you is... With defense, if you rank 10th in defense, yeah. you've probably then got you a know good what shot. Judd says? But if you don't rank in the top five in offense, your chances are pretty low of being in the Super Bowl. Then Judd says, I might be getting old and surly, but I'm not there yet. And there, <laughs> and therefore, I'm on board with what you guys, if you guys can prove to me this is the, this is the strategy and game theory to get me a contract extension and most importantly, to get into the playoffs, I'm on board. So that's what Coach Zolgad says. What do you think Coach Zimmer says if they come to him and say, Mike, we're drafting a left tackle and we're adding another receiver, and just in case this digs thing eventually gets bad, we want to have another guy to step in. But even then, the lack of a number three option that's dangerous has hurt them. Thielen gets hurt last year, and they were able to fill it in in part because they had a very easy schedule for some portions of that, but it also hurt them in in other games where they did not have that other option who could be a game-breaker, and when you looked at some other teams, like even San Francisco, they went out and added Emmanuel Sanders. You look at Kansas City, they have the best quarterback in the world, but they also have 
multiple good players at the the weapon positions. They don't just have Kelsey and Tyree Kill. They have Sammy Watkins. So when you took away the first two, there was another guy who was a game-breaker. And as much as I like Irv Smith, I'm not sure yet he's a game-breaker like someone like Sammy Watkins has the capability to be. I think you need three, four, five weapons and a good offensive line if you want to be one of the five best offenses in the league. Um, but I'm not sure that if you told Mike Zimmer that, he would be on board considering there's a lot of needs on that defensive side. If I'm Mike, I've got another offensive question for you then, too. If we're going to draft a wide receiver and throw the ball a lot, are we re-signing Dalvin Cook to the extension he wants? Probably not. Well, I don't know. So... Because this is going to be, I do think offensively, if you were to ask, if you were to fill Zim full of truth serum and say, give me your thoughts on the offense, I think he's going to tell you Dalvin Cook is massively important yeah, to Yeah, no, he probably is. And I got the sense from Rick Spielman that they want Dalvin Cook back and they want to maintain the core. Let me take that back. I'll say yes. Because if the whole thing is, look, we're going all in on Kirk and we're going all in on offense, then you have to make sure you bring back Dalvin Cook. And that also is going to, maybe not in year one, but down the road, cut into what you could do with the salary cap. It might hurt you long-term if he doesn't continue to play at a high level. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's too much fear of a fall-off. If he was 27, I would say, oh my gosh, no, do not do that. 27 through 30 is a disaster for running backs. But he's going to be 25. So 25 through 28 is usually still pretty good outside of some maybe recent examples. But generally, 24, 25 through 28, guys are still at their prime at the running back position. So even if you overpaid according to the numbers, you still have a very likely great player in the backfield who, ironically, does not have a ton of mileage compared to other running backs his age because of some of the injuries. Because he's had trouble staying healthy. Right. And ACL Which I'm takes sure is their concern. the whole year. Yeah. And it should be a concern, but it also is, hey, maybe he can maintain a high level of play for a little longer than some of these other guys. But if you're pushing all the chips to the middle of the offensive table, you have to have Delvin Cook back. And you could sell Zimmer on that, but if you said, look, Delvin's biggest impact is in the passing game. It's not in right. the running game. Right. So we need to split carries with him and Alexander Madison, throw to him a lot, make it more of a 60-40 split, which is average in the NFL now, basically. And that's the way we could get ourselves to a top-five offense, which is where everyone who goes to the Super Bowl these days seems to be. So I think where you're going to lose, Mike, in, in the conversation that we're trying to have right now is if you're telling me that you're going to draft a left tackle in the first round, a receiver in the second round, and now you're probably going to also tell me that I'm going to lose uh, quite a few of my defensive guys who I developed and absolutely love because he does. I think he's going to say, what's in this for me? Right. And at that point in time, here's my other theory, too. And, and I think that this happened the day that Kirk signed, and I've grown to believe it probably is accurate. It was almost as if Mike looked at Rick and company and said, you can do this, and he's your quarterback, and I get that. But the next, like, two years are mine then. <laughs> yeah. I, Seriously, yeah, we're going to bring guys back Anthony on Barr, defense. Sheldon Richardson. Sheldon Richardson yep. was like, it was like taking Mike to the store and and you occupied him with a with a really neat toy. It's like we're going to be talking to Kirk, but here's a Sheldon for you. I'll never forget the day. Seriously, have you ever covered the signing or arrival of a bigger free agent or draft pick? Absolutely, ordinarily, the entire building is electric, right? Yeah. Yep. And Egan was that day. Except I'll never forget how ambivalent, if that's the right word, 
Mike was. Mike was just like, okay, cool, he's here. And, and it was it was the weirdest thing because it was as if the entire organization on this e- enormous day, the head coach was like, well, this is cool, this is fine. I'm going to go play with my defense now. Yeah. This guy is probably the best option for us, and he's terrific in the bootlegs, is what he yeah, said. Yeah, I mean, but, but have, you ever, giving covered, a scouting report have you ever him, covered yeah. a head coach who seemed that ambivalent towards what amounted to an enormous day in franchise history? Right. A, a lot of times, if you were signing a quarterback to the biggest quarterback contract in history, or anything like that, I mean, the only thing you could equate it to is bringing Jimmy Butler here, where everyone, as you said, would be giddy, would be all smiles, and Zimmer seemed pretty nervous about it. And I could see why, because when you're signing someone to that big of a contract, you're putting your life in your hands here. Not only do you know if it fails, we're all fired. So you know that right off the bat because they've given you the quarterback that you supposedly needed. But also, you know that a day is going to come that you can't afford to keep people. And that day is now. You cannot afford to keep Anthony Harris. It was actually last year. It just didn't get acknowledged correctly. And they still, and they made it work. And there were mistakes made last year, I think, by bringing back Barr and not using him to get a bunch of sacks. And also probably, I mean, bringing back Griffin made sense. And he played really well for a large portion of the year. But Rhodes, we talked about all last summer. This isn't good. You and I stood there on the sideline at minicamp going, this is going to be a bad season for Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And then it was. So if we could see that coming, they should have seen it coming too. They should have spent on a left guard. But that felt like very much a Zimmer's going to bang on the table for this guy and say, we got to make sure we keep him. He's my guy. I developed him. He could still do it. I'll just scheme. We'll just teach him technique and all these things. And there's no technique or scheme that is going to make up for not being able to run anymore, right. which is where we were um, with Xavier Rhodes last year. So you don't want to make the same mistakes this year. You don't want to spend to bring guys back or overspend on free agents, which sometimes can blow up in your face if you're trying to overpay to win some bidding war for a defensive player. And you definitely should be able to get yourself to be a competitive defense with the talent that you have now, you think about who they have left. Mm-hmm. In a way, we've acted like, oh, they're going to drop down to the worst defense in the league because they've lost this guy or that guy. Yeah. Harrison Smith is still a top three safety in the NFL. Daniil Hunter is a top five pass rusher. Eric Kendricks might be the best linebacker at football now that Luke Keekley is retired. You should be able to replace some of the other positions and still have a good defense. And, and 2020 should f- finally be the year that Anthony Barr gets a bunch of sacks. Right, right, it's possible. Right. It could. This can work. I know it can. Yep. We've talked about this for too long. He's. It's. This is no. Our criticism of Barr and his return to me never had a thing to do with him personally. Like he's not that good a player. He is a really good player. But the amazing. I, I think Matthew, the most remarkable statistic or or snapshot of the 2019 Vikings might be that Anthony Barr recorded his first and only full sack on the first play <laughs> from scrimmage of the yes. season. Think about that for a second. Yep. He got to Matt Ryan, and I looked at you in the press box. We're like, whoa, okay. He had one and a half sacks, if I'm not mistaken. He had a half sack for the rest of the season. That's right. But and, then think um, about that. This is And this is no indictment of him as a player. But when you're talking about, well, i got to bring Griffin back, too. How about you scheme it up? And by the way, you got Dom Capers now, who knows how to use linebackers and three fours perfectly. How about you use Anthony Barr and Hunter and... A variety of other ideas 
to mix things up and scheme it. Adenabo, who yes. Zimmer said at the Combine he believes is a starter. And if you mix in edge rushing from 3-4 looks uh, with Dom Capers here and Afadi Adenabo, you can make up for Griffin. Uh, now, I'm not entirely against bringing back Griffin, but if you were going to tell me, here's your two options. You could spend $12 million or $8 million or whatever it's going to be to bring back Griffin. I think it's going to be a lot. There is a ton of interest in edge rushers. If you're the New York Jets right now and you have cap space to spend, you call Everson Griffin and you say, look, I know your friend Anthony Barr didn't want to come here last year. And I know they want you back in Minnesota. Do you say friend like that? We will give you... Just dripping with sarcasm and anger? I don't know how close they your are. Friend. Your friend. Yeah, I'm sure. Who turned on us. I'm sure they're salty, yes. But they got Trevor Simeon there, so they're fine. Um, and, and you say, how's 14 mil? How's 12 mil yep. guaranteed yep. for next year? We are desperate to win some games. Adam Gase knows it's all over for him if they don't win some games this year. Their defense has Jamal Adams, one of the most exciting young players in the NFL, but no one cares because they can't rush the passer for anything. If you're them, that's maybe an option for you. So Everson could leave, and if I'm the Vikings, I have to say, Let's just make that up and spend on the offensive side. But this was the same story we had last offseason where I was saying and you were saying a lot of the same things, and it seemed like Mike won out, that he got to keep everybody. Right. He got to keep Linval. He got to keep Rhodes. He got to keep uh, Everson Griffin. Right. And how did it turn out? Well, you know, they were a pretty good defense, and they were a good offense, but... If they had spent that money on Golden Tate, if they had spent that money on a left, a better left guard than Pat Elfline, could they have pushed for a top five offense? Could they have had a better shot in San Francisco? Probably because those players, aside from Griffin, didn't give you anything more than your average free agent would give you, or much worse in the case of Xavier Rhodes. So what I wonder is, mm-hmm. when Mike makes that little jab at Rick Spielman, one thing I know about Rick Spielman is that he loves analytics. And that front office wants to be very progressive when it comes to oh, yeah. applying the data to the draft. Yes. And I also know that there's some stuff that's going on behind the scenes with analytics with these teams in the draft that is really exciting. And for them to have a head coach who makes fun of it mm-hmm. and doesn't want to use it and is still mad about an email from the analytics department from two years ago about this situation that he's bringing up at the podium... I think this just sort of screams conflict here. Okay. Because the front office should be wanting one thing, and they should be saying, Mike, you figure it out on defense. We're going to give you some cheap free agents that our analytics department likes, and that's what you have to work with. Sorry. So Rick's whole uh, progressive in football theories go back to, I remember when I was working with Seifert at the Star Tribune, this is circa 2005 or six. Seifert went and sat down with Rick as Rick was prepping for the draft. And I kid you not, Rick had these had these um, number sequences on players where he would like grade them to the one thousandth degree. Like he he would say, "This guy's grade is five point five point one seven five three, and and it was way beyond at that time the norm. So Rick has been buying into. Yep. And at times we and say they've gotten way better since then. Exactly, a thousand times. And at better. times we say that it seems to be Rick trying to be too smart for Rick's own good. But I do think that there is a genuine thirst for knowledge there. Here's the other question, because I think a lot of these things, the soundbite that we played, and, and I've got a question for you about something that Mike said at, at the Combine, goes to, and this is weird because Mike can be very frontal, goes to what I've come to call passive-aggressive Mike, mm-hmm. um, 
which includes that soundbite, which is sort of passive-aggressive of, ah, they can do what they want, I do what I want, and I get fired if I don't do it. And the other thing that I find intriguing was his comment about Griffin last week, where he basically went up to the podium or talked to you guys, I'm not sure which session, and said, Everson, Everson's coming back, as if to almost put pressure on the team and Griffin, of, of course you're coming back, right? When the answer might be no. And to me, that, that was passive-aggressive towards both sides of saying, I want him back, and my end game to get him back is to pressure both sides. It, when they might be saying to Mike, Mike, we can't do this, sorry. Now, my last point is this, off of Rick and Mike's relationship, and if a third party might actually involve him himself. Unless you know that this has changed, Matthew, when Rick got the GM job and Frazier was um, not demoted, but had was stripped of decision-making authority after the 3-13 2011 season, my understanding was the 53-man roster fell to Rick. And it's been clear, as you said time and time again, the last few years it's really been Mike, could this be the time that somebody comes to Rick and says, Rick, you're the GM of this team? So that doesn't mean Mike can't be the coach of this team. I don't know if they're going to extend him or not, but the 53-man roster is yours. And it's high time that you invoke that power. So when Mike says, I got to have this guy back, you say, Mike, Everson Griffin's not coming back. I'm sorry. That's what I want to know. I don't know who makes final calls. I think it's the general manager. But I've also been told directly by the general manager in an interview I did with him in 2017 that you remember the old uh, grocery list and go get the groceries comparison from Bill Parcells Mm -hmm. that Zimmer makes the grocery list and the front office goes out and gets it. Now, whether they're willing to stand up and say, Mike, we get it, but a nose tackle should cost us $2 million, not twelve. Or not eight on a restructure. We can't keep a nose tackle that's this expensive. Mike, you can't scheme Xavier Rhodes' legs to work. You just can't. Trey Wayans isn't that good. You can't pay him $15 million. He seems to be on board with the Anthony Harris thing, which... Which he made clear, though. Again, it was on his terms. Right, exactly. It it was never like, well, we're going to lose him, and I hate to lose him. It was basically like, I can find safeties. Yep. He's basically telling you what's a pain in his rear end and what's not. Yeah. And so if you go into the first round, the bottom of the first. Now, he also said we have to protect for Kirk Cousins better. And in order to keep him playing at a high level and even take him to the next level, it, we have to protect him better. And that's 100% true. All the numbers match up with that. They were one of the worst blocking teams in the league past blocking last year. But does that mean, Mike, that you can draft Josh Jones or that you could draft Andrew Thomas if he falls as opposed to C.J. Henderson, who's a cornerback from Florida, or as opposed to Trayvon Diggs, who is a, a great cornerback prospect from Alabama. If that comes, you know, push comes to shove at 25, here's a really good tackle who fell because some of these other tackles shot up the draft board with great combines. Here's a top cornerback who hasn't been taken yet and is projected mid-first round, late-first round. Is Mike going to be okay with them saying we really need to protect our quarterback because quarterback performance is the thing that's going to directly take us to the Super Bowl much more than corner? Even though corner is very valuable, it's nothing is as valuable as how your quarterback plays, and a tackle can enhance that uh, a lot more than a rookie corner could enhance your pass coverage. I don't know. 
But I think we're going to learn. We're really going to learn where the power lies by the end of all this. When we get to June and we were, you know, OTAs are over and that sort of thing, and we really can look at the roster going into training camp, mm-hmm. we're going to have a pretty strong feeling of was there a power struggle? Who won the power struggle? All those things. Uh, because I think if you're the front office, you want to give Gary and Kirk as much as you can to make this work. Does Mike winning the power struggle right now make sense, though? With where football is going, with where the game is going, with where the -the off-the-field philosophies are going, it just seems to me, and this is not to say that Mike is not a good coach, and this is not to say that Mike shouldn't coach this team, but if you look at where the sport is evolving to, Does it really make sense? I feel like he has run things back his way. And by the way, not falling completely flat. No, not at all. But I feel like he's been allowed to run things back, and we've sort of reached the ceiling of where that goes. So does it make sense to say, well, let's have him run things back again? Or is this where, if Rick Rick has the power that we both believe Rick has, it is time for Rick to step in and say, Mike, 2020, you're my coach, but hey, we're going to have to play by my rules, too. I think it does. And I wonder even about the change in president of the team. I don't know how much that might impact something, but a president of a new president of the team that comes from Toronto, a very, very progressive organization that was huge into analytics. A baseball guy, exactly. I just wonder how it sits with people when Mike goes up to the podium and says, oh, this analytics department tells me, I got to do something. I ain't doing that. <laughs> well, I can't, know, I, that's what I'm saying. It no. just can't sit well with a lot Ten of people, years ago, even if it comes off as kind of you know joking Ten around. years ago, I think it works. Yeah. Because we're all like, oh, analytics stink. They don't know, right? But it's 2020. Yeah. And, and more and more teams are doing this. And, and also, what does it say that he got away, but we all know that internally Kevin Stefanski was thought highly of, and part much. of the reason was his background in being willing to use analytics. So how much do we need to also weigh in that a guy that they probably at one time were thinking about as being their head coach who walked out that door sort of fit into exactly what they appreciated? And Mike, he borderlines or makes fun of it. I came back from the combine with the sense that if Mike continues to be exactly the way that he is, he might have some t- uh, some tough times with people within the organization. And and it it doesn't just pertain to analytics, some other things too. And I also got the understanding that Gary Kubiak is really helping sort of smooth things over in some ways, that everyone really loves Gary Kubiak. And even allowing one coach to get out of his contract to go somewhere else was sort of a Kubiak thing, that Zimmer had not done that in the past, and Kubiak wanted to allow this person out. So... I don't know how that relationship is playing into it, too. That How much power does Gary have over what they do in the draft? Like, do, Does Gary have a say? Would it be him in a meeting room saying, Mike, if we don't have a left tackle that can protect our quarterback, we aren't going to go to the Super Bowl. If you don't have a perfect corner, let's say you have Holton Hill starting there, or some rookie starting there, we can figure out ways to cover up for that and still end up with a decent defense like they did last year, fifth in points, even yeah. though they had some shortcomings. 
But if we don't protect Kirk, we're not going anywhere because Nick Bosa is just going to eat us alive like he did in the divisional game in San Francisco. So I think we're going to learn as we go forward a lot more. And I, I came away with thinking that Zimmer might get an extension for a couple years, but that doesn't alleviate the pressure that is on him and also the potential for some conflict as we go into free agency and the draft. And I heard that he might not, which means that there are for sure differing philosophies. That You bring up the one thing that I think is, is sort of the X factor in our entire conversation, and it's a complete unknown. The new COO who took over in August, and those guys are usually lots of times pretty smart, and so they'll hang way back and observe, and we'll forget about them. But after six months or eight months, lots of times they will come out and be like, you know what, I got some thoughts here. And they'll go to the Wilfs. And the Wilfs didn't hire nor pay that guy to not be heard. Mm -hmm. So I would be very, very curious. And knowing Rick, Rick's going to do a very good job of ingratiating himself with the new guy. And so now the question is, is Mike going to, too? And I don't see Mike being that guy. But it will be. Kevin Warren in that job always struck me, Matthew, as a guy who basically thought that he could run a football team personnel-wise. I don't think the new guy is like that, but I think to say that the new guy doesn't have thoughts about this and definite views on how the operation should work would be a mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And coming from the organization that he came from, I just have a tough time seeing him saying, yeah, let's run the ball and play defense. Because that's not what the Toronto Blue Jays were about. The Toronto Blue Jays were about being as progressive as you could possibly be. And that worked for them pretty well for a couple of years there. And then, of course, they fell off and have to rebuild it as well. But I just know that from um, even when I was in Buffalo, when Toronto was really good, and I used to listen to their radio stations all the time, and they would interview executives and things like that. They were very much about being at the forefront of these things, not being way behind and saying we still need to bunt, which essentially saying we need to run the ball more is saying we need to bunt more a a lot of times. and. I would give the ball to Delvin Cook, too, but I probably wouldn't hand it off on second and ten to him because it's just not an efficient play. So just using that for example, let's take a break. We come back. Judd and I going to look at some of the rumors that are out there. Mike Sando had a cool piece uh, placing Teddy with a specific team. And also there's some news on what Jacksonville will do with their quarterback situation This even throws another name into the mix. We'll talk about it when we return. You'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Score North has a brand new golf show, 10,000 Swings with Brad Cole and David Branstead. Two golf geeks breaking down the latest in golf culture around Minnesota and the latest stories from the PGA Tour. Find 10,000 Swings at 7 p.m. on Mondays on Score North on AM 1500 or on demand on Apple, Spotify, or the Score North mobile app. Jonathan here with the Score North download. You can join Mackie, Judd, and Rami each Wednesday at 5 p.m. for Write That Down. The guys not only make sports predictions, but hold each other accountable for them each and every week. For your chance to be a guest picker on Write That Down, enter through listening rewards on your Score North mobile app. The Twins losing in spring training today, 6-1 to to Rami's favorite St. Louis Cardinals. The one run coming off a Gilberto Celestino double in the top of the eighth. Speaking of the Twins, Jake DePew, he has an article over at scorenorth.com about 10 prospects who could make their debut for the Twins in 2020. Also, Matthew Collar has his draft simulation for the 2020 draft. He did the first two rounds, so go check that out over on the very free scorenorth.com. Also, that can be found on the Scorenorth mobile app. That's been your Scorenorth download. Now back to Purple Daily.
All right. Thank you, Jonathan. Back here on Purple Daily. All right, Judd. Where do you think that Mike Sando of The Athletic has Teddy Bridgewater going per an NFL GM that he ran into at the Combine? What team? Okay, I am. Okay, so this would be hot. Off, fresh off the presses. Speculation probably over a couple scotches. Um, Maybe of the reckless variety. It might be of the reckless variety. I'm going to give you the Bears. It's a good guess. One GM told... Bears aren't smart enough, are they? (laughs) Probably not. Told Mike Sando, I'm here in Tampa Bay. Oh, I must guess that. I'll tell you. I heard that Tampa Bay is interested in Jordan Love. So it would make a lot of sense for Tampa Bay to sign Teddy Bridgewater to a short-term deal and draft Jordan Love, who's considered a very raw prospect. And if Teddy Bridgewater wins him 12 games, then you trade Jordan Love and you stick with Teddy Bridgewater. Mm. And if Bridgewater's knee falls apart in his first year, full year as a starter, then Jordan Love's your guy going forward. And whoever goes there to Tampa Bay, you give him a good coach. It makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. An improving offensive line, two great wide receivers, a lot to work with there for Tampa Bay. If I'm Teddy and Chicago pursued me, my concern there is the coaching staff. Yep. Nagy, I don't know. I don't buy into what they're doing from a front office perspective. Tampa, cap space. Yeah, too. Tampa. Don't have Tampa does make a lot of sense. Yep. It's. I don't want to say it's completely stable yet, but I think it might be headed towards stability. Well, Bruce Arians just totally changes things. And if you go, if you're Bruce Arians and you coach the biggest schmuck of a quarterback, a guy who can't stop throwing picks, who you never know if he's going to be arrested or something, or be charged or be sued or whatever might happen with Jameis Winston, he kept his nose clean for a year here, but. I mean, he did for the first year he was in Tampa, and then it, it's always something with him right. since he was in college. Yep. That's the exact opposite that Teddy Bridgewater is. So you're always going to look for, okay, who's who's different from what we just had? Mm-hmm. Well, we had 30 picks and a guy you can't trust off the field. Bridgewater's one of the best in the league at not turning the ball over, and off the field he's an A-plus character. You could give Bridgewater the best situation he's ever had outside of the five games in New Orleans, along with a coach who has consistently won wherever he's been in Bruce Arians on a team that is ascending. I really like that for Teddy. It does make sense. And I also like the idea of them drafting a quarterback, too. That it still carries some risk to just go all in on Teddy Bridgewater because it's not that far removed away from an injury that almost took the man's leg. And you can't 100% trust that when you're signing him. You're Certainly desperate, and you've got to pay out, maybe on a Nick Foles type of deal, who I'll get to in a second, where it's fairly short-term, but it's a lot of cash in his pocket. Get insurance on it, too. Kind of what Case Keenum got with Denver. A lot of cash in the pocket, a reasonable cap hit. Bridgewater's probably deserving of that. But then, it's always a good idea to draft a quarterback who has potential down the road. And uh, last year, they had two of the highest graded by PFF uh, wide receivers in the entire NFL. And I don't even think people realize how good Chris Godwin is because he's just not a household name, but he was ranked as PFF's number one receiver and Mike Evans was number five. Mm-hmm. That's what you could inherit if you're Teddy. So if they call, then I think you go there. So that's it's from a, Florida that's too. A very interesting little uh, tidbit from Mike Sando. 
Also, it appears that Nick Foles is going to be traded. Okay, explain explain to me, once you talk about this, explain to me how this is going to happen with that contract. Okay, that's the hard part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they're making it clear by putting it out there that they want to trade Nick Foles. Now, this is where I go to overthecap.com and see who's got cap space. All right. Because you would need a lot in order to afford Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, t- and who's going to take who's, that on? Who's doing this, Nick yeah, Foles it, pops up when he goes to Philadelphia. By the way, the Bucks have the fourth most cap space in the NFL. So, so if, you're, if you're Teddy, yep. you take a twenty million dollar a year deal there. They spend a bunch of money on so offensive. Who's going to take Nick Foles? Defense. Tell me who's going to take Nick Foles. This is what I want to hear. Where does Nick Foles also make sense? Because the reliability is mm. not exactly there. Does he end up being whoever is the odd man out? Or does the, I mean, because he is in a bit of a Fitzpatrick situation where you would take him to try and stay somewhat competitive, mm-hmm. and he's just good enough to do that. If you're a great team, he can clearly win with you. Um, but then you would want to draft a quarterback behind him to turn over to. So if you're not in a tank situation, you might want Nick Foles to try and remain competitive. But I'm having a lot of trouble figuring out who that would be. So just going by cap space here. You know, the Dolphins, of course, are not going to be that team. They're going to try and trade up to Tua. More on that in a second. Colts want Phillip Rivers. That seems to be destined to happen. Browns have their quarterback. Washington might also draft Tua. There's not a lot of room here. The Titans, if they get left out, potentially. But, but the Titans also could get Tom Brady. They're also going to franchise Tannehill, I would assume. Franchise tag him. Chargers, someone's going you to do the Chargers, know. aren't they? Brady in Tennessee makes perfect sense. Oh, it certainly does. They're a great team. That would be the I ultimate Belichick take that. For Mike Vrabel and Brady to join forces to tell Bill, I think you're special, Bill, huh? I'm having a really tough time finding a team that would desperately need Nick Foles. So if they're going to trade him, they have to make sure that his cap hit isn't that much. But, yeah, I don't know. I think he ends up staying there and just sitting behind Gardner Minshew and eating up a bunch of money. At now, that, wow. tell me, smokescreen or no? Okay. Ron Rivera allegedly told Tua that he wants to draft him at number two, have him in to compete with Dwayne Haskins, but probably beat out Dwayne Haskins and then trade Haskins to somebody else. Do you believe that? You know, I actually believe that that might be a smart play. Um, But here's the problem. The owner. What Ron Rivera wants to do likely doesn't matter. Does it? Does Daniel Snyder, Daniel Snyder loved Haskins, right? But but does Ron Rivera go to that franchise if he doesn't get a lot of power? I think Daniel, well, um, now, here's where he might be okay. If he was smart enough and his representation got it in writing. If you don't get it in writing from Daniel Snyder and he's like, oh, you'll have a ton of power. Do I trust him? Absolutely not. But my question goes back to, didn't Daniel Snyder love Dwayne Haskins? And wasn't that his guy, his pick, his quarterback? Because what Ron Rivera is saying makes sense. Yes. Do I think that it happens? I think it's, I don't know, because that franchise is so dysfunctional. In my mind, it's the best move they could possibly make. Oh, I I like the move. I think Chase Young will be a great player, but... There's nothing that changes your franchise like a starting quarterback. To to the point of that, was there any um, speculation at the Combine that the Bengals 
clearly this Burrow thing is just sort of weird. And I don't know exactly how far down the road it, it truly is that he doesn't want to play there or if this is just games or what. But if Tua passes all of the physicals, okay, and so far I think they've all come back really good. If you're the Bengals, don't you have a decision to make here? Like, why would we, why is Tua just not that guy? Mm. If I'm the Bengals and Joe Burrow's like, I don't know about this. And I said, Joe Burrow, you're really, really good, but you popped up for one year. I have seen ability from Tua, and I think he strikes me as another guy who's got the it factor. Yeah. Why is this just such a slam dunk that is Joe Burrow? Yeah, everyone has that. Uh, And Burrow tried to make it clear that he does want to go to Cincinnati, but I don't know if that's true. He's got a smirk I'd like to wipe off his face with the back of my hand. (laughs) Yeah, he does kind of say everything with a little bit of... Yeah, aren't I cool? Yeah, that kind of thing, but I don't know. Um, maybe it's just young folks these days, Judd, I don't know. Well, they can get off my lawn. I think they're about equal as prospects, and Tua has the hip, and that's what the difference right. is to me. Now, uh, Mike Sando in this piece on The Athletic had a general manager do a mock draft for him. It's a fun idea. And that general manager took Tua number three for Detroit. So, I guess... <laughs> oh, yeah. Now... If Matt Stafford wants out, which is being reported, yep, and Washington does not necessarily believe in Dwayne Haskins, which they shouldn't, there was nothing year one where you'd say, oh, yeah, this is our guy. We got to stick with him. If I'm Washington, I'm taking Tua, and hey, good luck to the Detroit Lions with Chase Young. You guys can have him. Or Jeff Okuda, you guys can have him. Chase Young would love to be in the uh, NFC North. If Detroit takes Tua, though, that makes that situation really uncomfortable and it it would make me think that Detroit down the road could be pretty dangerous but the way I felt about Detroit right now is that they're a little bit of a sleeping giant because they look like San Francisco San Francisco goes four and 12 high draft pick immediate impact player Nick Bosa they've been building talent for a little while and boom they're in the Super Bowl I'm not saying that's necessarily Detroit because Kyle Shanahan's a good coach and Matt Patricia is not Mm -hmm. but could they all of a sudden win 10 games or 9 games and beat the Vikings once. Certainly could uh, next year. If they take Tua and it becomes a calamity of a situation where the quarterback is done with you and there's even the potential that Stafford would say, because he's rich as hell, he could say, I'm not playing for you guys. Play your rookie quarterback. I'm done. Trade me like Carson Palmer did years ago. There, there are so many things here that could just send this into a complete whirlwind, and drafting Tua in Detroit would be one of them. But Tua long-term in Detroit could be the greatest decision that they've made. Oh, if, I totally if I, agree. If I'm the Vikings, I think both these teams should highly consider it. If I'm the Vikings and Detroit at three stands pat and takes Tua, I, I, would, be, I would say, oh, damn, that could be a problem. That could be a real problem. Because i got to think, one of these years, maybe I'm wrong, one of these years, i got to think Detroit's going to get the coach right again, right? Someday. They're going to get the right guy. And if you have Tua on that roster, and now you can develop around that quarterback, and he and uh, provided, of course, he stays healthy, that's going to be a pain to play against. Yeah. If that's he... going to be a pain. So for, so for 2020, it could send Detroit into a complete chaos, which is, of course, something they've experienced plenty of times before. <laughs> yeah. But beyond 2020, with Stafford gone, if I'm the Packers, Vikings, or Bears, that's one I hate to see them take him. Yeah, because it's the smart move. Yes. It's the same way with the NFC East. If they stick with Dwayne Haskins and draft Chase Young, you probably think if you're Philadelphia, <laughs> okay, 
I mean, right, we're going to have to worry about that defensive end. He looks very, very good. But if your quarterback is super inconsistent and not really that good, then it's going to set you back a couple of years because if Haskins starts this year and isn't that great, we know this. Look at what Buffalo, look how they talk. Oh, Josh Allen just needs this and just needs this. They always do that. Year one is, oh, he's just a rookie. Year two is, well, if he takes the next step. <laughs> and year three is, oh, my God, he's a bust. I mean, that's... Unless that's you're the Bears, how, just in which goes. case you just keep saying, oh, let's just keep trotting him out there. Possibly, possibly. But now they're in the mix for trading for Andy Dalton, which, again, in terms of how things they impact also the talked Vikings, to Case Keenum. if they trade for Andy Dalton, he will win that job out of training camp. And yes. I'm telling you, he's beating the Vikings once or twice. He's well, in Soldier Field. He's a decent. We could put yeah, you at quarterback Field. for the Bears next season, <laughs> and you'd did. win. And you'd win at Soldier yeah, Field, they Matthew. Kind of did last year with uh, Chase Daniels, but Andy Dalton is not a great quarterback. That's a good team, though, in Chicago. They still have a very good roster. It's a good team, of which I really question the front office and the coaching staff. I do as well. But yes, they do have personnel that I like. Think about this. Think about how horrible their quarterback play was last year. It was a nightmare. Yes. And they won eight. You won eight with about the worst quarterback play in the entire NFL. If you get average Andy Dalton, what he was a few years ago in Cincinnati, just the, I don't know, 18th best quarterback. How old is he now? Probably. He's not super old. What's the realistic... I think if outcome you, of that. Also, he gets rid of the ball really quick, and that's what Nagy likes for his offense. Right. Get it in the hands of playmakers, which they kind of don't have. But they have Allen Robinson, who's a great receiver if you could throw it anywhere near him. If they won eight games yeah. with a disaster at quarterback, they still had a really good defense. I don't see that changing. They could be at least threatening. And, and that's where, when you talk about the Vikings, and if they're falling back in this race, and they're not going to be as good... How do they keep up if the Bears are a little bit better, if the Lions are quite a bit better, mm-hmm. and let's just say the Packers also drift back, but they're not going to go from 13-3 to 5-10. and 10, So you split. Uh, so you probably 11. split with all three. That's what Instead you're of sweep somebody. At. Yeah. You, it's, you could look through the lens of the NFC North being kind of disastrous or kind of really good, depending on what happens over the next couple of weeks. And, and I don't a lot think, of this depends on the quarterbacks. And division-wise, I don't think the Vikings are going to be a disaster at all. I think the Vikings are still competitive and good. But the conversation, stemming back to the year uh, Kirk Cousins signed, wasn't, can you be good? It was, can you win a Super Bowl? Right. And I'm just past that point of saying yes. Going into 2018, I thought the answer was yes. They missed the playoffs. Going into last year, I said, we need to see a lot more. And now, I'm not sure where you fall on this statement, but I feel like I've seen enough to know what the capability is. I do, too. Uh, I haven't asked you. I asked Sage last week, and we talked about it a little more today. Do you think it's worth drafting the second or third round quarterback for the Vikings? Say, if it's Jalen Hurts. Yes, absolutely. You like that idea? Yes, I do. Yes, I do, because if if you hit, that means a, a seismic shift for your franchise. Historically speaking, second, third round a lot of hits. Maybe not the biggest ceiling hits as you would have in the first round. You might not necessarily get an NFL MVP like Cam Newton in the second round. But guys like Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott and Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr are pretty common in that range, in that second round. And again, not all of them. So if Jalen Hurts turns out to be that guy, you would have to, if you really wanted to turn it over to him, You would really have to be going all in. I don't think you'd want to do that. But there's a way to kind of play both sides of this thing 
that intrigues me. And a couple of people have sent me draft sims, which is of course awesome. they have. It's, it's that season, draft sim season. That needs a sounder. A, a, a couple, Your draft sims need a sounder. We do. We'll get one. Um, so a couple of people have sent me draft sims where you have the third round being Jalen Hurts in the first two rounds addressing immediate needs, and okay. I kind of agree with that. I can think you get Jalen Hurts third round? Great, I think you can. Or will they go second round? He's just, he's got enough questions about throwing the ball, even though he threw it very well at the combine the other night. There are enough questions about throwing the ball mm-hmm. that would make you feel like, yeah, he's probably not a first-round talent. Second round might be a stretch. Third round becomes more possible, especially if you wanted to trade up to try and get him, because no one is making Jalen Hurts their immediate franchise quarterback or going all in. The way that the Ravens had to go all in on Lamar Jackson, no one's doing that for Jalen Hurts. And so you you can wait, I think, on where he's going to be picked. That we're going to have a whole run on quarterbacks, four or five in the first round, and then it's going to be a dip, and there won't be guys picked. And then I think Hurts ends up going. And, you know, that's where guys with some question marks end up going, usually. Mm-hmm. If you have someone like Dak Prescott, his accuracy was questioned. What's the fundamental structure here right now as far as, and I think the answer is good, but as far as developing a kid like that with Kubiak and that offensive staff, guiding him through that process? I think it's a great situation. Because that's, that's to me, that's a huge, huge question. It's a great situation. And people have thrown this at me before about Kirk Cousins and, well, Kirk's going to be upset. I don't know. Kirk dealt with the RG3 situation and went to the Pro Bowl and and won a good number of games and put up 4,000 What do you care if he's upset? Well, right. I agree with that. He's being paid. He's being compensated incredibly well. But I think it's a good idea even if they sign him to an extension because... You don't know, for one, how someone's going to develop through a couple years, but it's also a really cheap backup. It's a backup. If you draft him in the third round, it's a $700,000 backup yes, with some exactly. potential. And even if it turns out to be someone like, I don't know, Connor Cook or or Brett Hundley or something, and the worst, like, that's okay. The worst case about a guy like Cousins, let's say he's upset, okay? Let's say you take, a, you take Jalen Hurts and Kirk's mad. The worst case is he's just not going to help. Yeah, like he's, he's not going to do his job. It's not like he's going to yeah. do something. That's the same thing. He's with, just not going to help. Just like Favre didn't help Aaron. There are a lot of players that you can't let go into the final year of their deal because they won't sign. But quarterbacks, they're getting paid way too much. Yeah, you're not going to sit out on thirty million dollars. There's no downside to Kirk being mad. You know what? It might be an upside. Send your draft sims. Go to fanspeak.com, screen grab them, send them to at Matthew Collar. I love looking at them. I just gave someone an A grade. Did you? Yep. All right. You made um, their day. Courtney Cronin will be in tomorrow. We'll continue the conversation. NFL offseason getting hot. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. 
Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.